Dear FinTech people, welcome back to another exciting episode of The Future Of here at Nordic FinTech Magazine. Today, we're speaking with no other than Luise Ferslev, CEO and founder at MindMoney. Luise has a super interesting background that took her from competitive golfing all the way to FinTech founder. In this interview, we talk about financial inclusion for an underserved market segment that we don't usually hear much about. We also discuss the importance of building healthy money habits and how through technology, my money is doing just that. We also talk a fair bit about Luis's entrepreneurial journey, the ups, the downs, and the things that she's learned along the way, and even about how TikTok may become the next competitive arena for fintechs and financial institutions to engage existing and future customers. I am sure you will love listening to Luise as much as we enjoy talking to her. Well, Luisa, thank you so much for being here. It's great to, to meet you and, and to have you here with us. Thanks for, for taking time to speak to us. Thank you. So let's just get started. Tell us about My Money. What is My Money? What's your value proposition? What do you do? Yeah, My Money is uh, teaching kids uh, good money habits or, or teens. So everyone between seven to 18, uh, we want to give them good money habits uh, early in life and understand what does it mean to save, earn, uh, spend your money wisely and now also uh, uh, getting the interest for, for investing. Um, so, so that's like the basic uh, of, of my money. Um, and the, it's, a, it's an app and you have your access as a child or teen. And then you have the parent view as well where you can uh, see everything instant and you can set spend limits and you can have the full overview of all your kids. And then the kids can have their own uh, view in, in their app and, and see what's going on with their money. Alright, so, so what's really interesting for me here is that is young people has usually been an underserved part of the market for financial services. Mm. Why did you decide to go after that particular market? I think actually it started out with uh, me focusing on making, I, I wanted to make a gift card. That was like when I had my education then I wanted to make a gift cards for my own age like because when I wanted to go to a, a party then just picking up a gift card to which can be used everywhere that would be so nice and then I could load it from a website that was the initial idea um, just a hobby project um, but then when I spoke with many different people out there uh, mo most of them were actually parents and they said if you build this, then I'll definitely use it for my uh, kids on 12. Uh, so just let me know because then I'll uh, get this gift card and then I'll control it from the website. And that made me realize like there is something here that the banks have not yet built. And that was uh, five years ago when I when I when I start, founded the company. Um, so um, so that was my uh, like that was the initial uh, uh, thought. Then. Um, then we made this allowance app and started to get some, some users on it and uh, we quickly realized that when the kids could see that they had like a, a, an amount of, for example, 200 kroner saved up, then they asked, uh, can we connect it somehow with a payment solution? Could we spend this money in real stores uh, somehow? Um, and that's where, where we went for finding a partner for the payment solution. So um, we went to some banks, we talked with Nets, we talked with um, uh, like different kind of players who could issue cards um, and uh, decided to make a partnership with Nets, um, which we learned a lot from and uh, have also uh, closed down again like three years ago. Okay. Yeah, so, so that was, uh, um, that's, that's, yeah, 
uh, a lot of learnings there learned from uh, from partnerships between a small company and a huge organization. Right. Okay. And then we'll we'll touch on, on those as well in, in in just a moment. But um, something I'd like want to try to understand is it seems that the solution that you've created with my money touches on, on a number of different problems. At least I, I can identify that there's uh, financial inclusion because it's, it's addressing an underserved part of the market. Mm -hmm. uh, there is uh, the, the element of financial literacy um, and, and well, perhaps also wealth democratization if we're talking about investment and that sort of thing. What was the main problem that drove you to say, okay, especially when you spoke to the, to the parents, what was the problem that they were ad identifying as, as the main problem that needed a solution? Actually, back when I founded it, it was more the, the fact that you didn't have cash anymore. So it was mm -hmm. like, uh, I want to give my kids money. I don't have cash anymore, but the kids don't have a card either. So, um, and they don't have this overview. But then uh, when we just uh, thought, okay, let's just, then we can just give them a card. But then that wouldn't like, then they wouldn't understand anything. They would just spend and spend until it says stop. So, um, so I would say, out of those three that you said, then financial literacy is definitely uh, our highest priority. Right. Um, but I do like with our newest feature with the My Money Invest, I, I do like the fact that it, all the families can get access to this. Like uh, you don't have, you need, don't need a mom or dad being uh, really wealthy or like being interested in, in investment to start with. You mm -hmm. can just get started with My Money. Okay. And, and what were the main challenges that you found when you were trying to launch the product, given the fact that you already had received some, some feedback in regards to, the, to the, the demand for a product like the one that you were trying to create? Yeah, um, I, I, was, uh, I, I would say that the main, uh, the, the biggest struggle, at least with, if I should just pick one, uh, because there are of course a lot, just to be honest, but the, but the most, uh, uh, the biggest struggles throughout the whole lifetime of my money has definitely been to find the right partner setup. Um, I would say that um, now we have partnered with uh, we have partnered with uh, Nets. Mm -hmm. We have had a partnership with uh, a program manager who uh, was like a middleman, and then an issuer was also a middleman to Mastercard. Um, and uh, and now we recently switched to uh, to a setup with a new partner, mm -hmm. Card Issuer. And what I learned since um, when we founded it. A lot of things has happened in the fintech space around in, in Europe and uh, five years ago there wasn't the same uh, options as there is today. Right. So, uh, so I think like there is something about finding the right partner but also timing wise like when are you founding your company because uh, five, six years ago then uh, it was a different uh, world. Uh, very outdated solutions I would say. Right. And so if we focus on, on financial literacy. Why, why is that an issue? Why, why do people need to learn how to manage their finances at such an early age? I, I think that like what's happening in, in the society or in, in the world is that the fact that, that money is becoming digital and payments, payments all, all over is being super easy. So you can just uh, blink with your eyes or like uh, double tap and then you have already paid it and the, the products are on its way. I think there's a huge amount of like there's a huge need for visualizing uh, when did you spend money and uh, really showing what happens when you um, save up for a longer period and what happens if you uh, spend a lot of money every day then like getting the, the visualized getting that visualized in an app um, is 
very important um, now that uh, money is just a number on a, on a screen. Mm. Where as actually cash is that's easier to understand because you have it right. like phys physically, and then when they're gone, they're also gone. But uh, if they're gone on, a, on an account, then it's just still feels like the same. It's a physical card, right? So. Mm. Uh, yeah. Now, what I find really interesting is that perhaps many of us grew up without having sound money management habits. Mm -hmm. So, so I think, I mean, we've, I've read some some uh, some studies that up to 85, 80, 88 percent uh, of people in some European markets don't feel comfortable enough with manage with knowing well enough how to manage their money. Mm -hmm. So, when we talk about building healthy financial management habits, what 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 would you say are examples of those habits? I, I, it's it's of course something about like okay I have this amount of money mm -hmm. I cannot spend more than that so that's that's important and, and also uh, we have this saving uh, uh, saving goals feature in the app that shows like how far are you from saving up for an iPad versus a football for example so you can see it, it takes longer time to to save up to an, an iPad so getting that understanding of the value of things. Um, that's that's a huge thing, um, but also thinking about okay, so I have this amount of money available, and that's mm -hmm. my decision to decide if I wanna spend them spend them on bubble teas or uh, <laughs> um, cheeseburgers every day, or if I wanna like maybe do that once in a while and then go save up for something or try to invest money and like see what is going on with my money if I if I invest them and, and wait and have the patience. Um, so for us, it's all about, um, also for our users, that they can see this is my money and mm -hmm. this is me who are in charge of them. Uh, and then just learn, learn by doing. Right, okay, so then the question I have now is that recently we've seen uh, this, this, this uptake of NFTs and of Web3 and play to earn games and it seems that the, the, the environment under which these trends are developing, it, they're geared mostly to young people, right? And one of the, one of the trends that we're seeing is, is fast money, is where people are creating NFTs and becoming millionaires overnight. Mm. Is, is that trend at odds with, with the type of financial habits that my money is trying to build? Um, I think it's a really interesting question and we talk about it uh, internally in my money when and if this will ever be something that we will focus on or like uh, uh, think about but but for us it's always this balance of um, us we, we want to have like giving them good money habits we want to let them be patient and think about what to do and not um, not going for risky risky things mm -hmm. so um, so we are it's something that we haven't decided yet if you wanna uh, if we can see that that uh, financial literacy equals all of the risky uh, things that's that's going on um, because we also seen uh, some cases in uh, in in the US for grown-ups where they have not young people have like uh, put all their money into some crazy risky stock and then just like going bankrupt yeah. from one day to another so um, I think for us it's really a balance to to do it in the right way uh, mm -hmm. to teach them good money habits instead of uh, yeah, getting them into a depth one day. <laughs> All right, and then one of the things I found really interesting about what my money is doing is that I saw that you're planning on having a presence on TikTok. 
which is a platform that traditionally has been completely neglected by financial services yeah. uh, institutions. So what, what made you decide to actually go and use that as a channel? That is, uh, it's of course we need to be on those platforms where people are and, and that we have like two target groups. So we have the parents and they are mainly above 35. That's the youngest and then up to uh, uh, 55. Ish, um, the parents and they are still the decision makers for under uh, 18 um, and then of course we have uh, the target group from uh, like under 18 so we have those two and and most of the uh, those from generation set they are on TikTok right now and um, and what what there is there's this kind of trend where they also look at very stupid and just purely entertaining stuff that is like really weird and, and not educational <laughs> at all but they actually TikTok is trying to promote um, educational content in different things how to solve issues uh, um, how to solve school um, tasks and stuff stuff like that they go on TikTok and then they they learn a lot from there wow. um, so they actually have something called uh, learn on TikTok um, uh, and, and and they really try to promote educational uh, um, Content. Okay, well, that's really interesting. We should check it out. I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen that. Um, okay, so let's now talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, we hear very often people say, ah, if only I had enough money, or if I had a good idea, or if, you know, um, if, if I had a, a team of people that could do certain things, I would love to be an entrepreneur. Mm. So my question to you is, why are you an entrepreneur? Uh, that's a, it's a really good question. I think the the reason why I like being an entrepreneur, I could I could tr start with that, uh, is uh, I like this uh, competitive uh, everyday life. So I like that uh, setting small short term goals and long term goals for myself and, and the team, and then actually reaching them after a while or whatever it takes, we will reach those goals. Um, I, I really like that part of it. Um, and I think also it comes from me being an, a golf player at lead level once. Uh, so I had this like, should I stay like just being a normal golfer like from a hobby or should I go professional? And I was really like, uh, I really liked the fact that like competing and especially competing against myself, that's, that's a lot uh, in golf. Uh, uh, so, I mean, for me, that's what I like in my everyday life, just, uh, that part of it. I, at least I really like reaching goals and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I also like to be in charge of all the decisions. So I like to choose um, who do I want to work with. So that's it's me who hire the people I work with. Um, it's me who is uh, m making the culture. So I, mm -hmm. together with the team, we are like, uh, we'll set this culture and we decide how we behave. Uh, and um, and also like uh, okay, actually we had a big strategic um, change um, two and a half year ago where it was we were a B two B company mm -hmm. and then had to change it over to B two C, and and taking that big decision, that was on me. And at one at like on the on one hand it felt extremely lonely because I knew that I could get as much input as I wanted like from everyone, but. Um, it would be me in the last end uh, that had to take the last decision, um, and and I like that part of it that me being in control of the of everything. I just uh, that's just 
a good fit with me at least. Mm. And, and in your experience, what would you say is the most important skill that an entrepreneur needs to have? Yeah, there is a lot because you need to like take on uh, different hats all the time. Um, but but I would say that persistence might be the most important. Um, and and uh, on like that just if you go um, and you start something and you believe that after two years then you are done with it and you can cash out. I mean that just don't. That's not how it works for for many many entrepreneurs. So, uh, so it's it's really about like, okay, two years after I founded this, something is not happening. How can we change it a little bit towards another direction and then try that direction? And then if that doesn't work, change a little bit more and then keep going, keep going. Um, and, and that's something that I have experienced, but also um, those uh, very experienced like serial entrepreneurs that I have as uh, sparing partners and like when I ask them what is the most important, they also say it's without a doubt just uh, persistent, like keep going. Right. And, right. and what would you say is the, the achievement that you're most, most proud of uh, in my money or as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think that's always a hard question actually, uh, but, uh, but I had thought about it and, uh, and I would say that it was taking that big decision when we two and a half year ago when I had Eddie, my son, mm -hmm. like he was uh, four, uh, four months old and I was like having him here. And then uh, on the side, I also had to take this really big strategic decisions because we were B2B and the team was focused on B2B and we talked with the banks. We, had, uh, we were maintaining a allowance app, white label solution for Arbanas Landsbank, mm -hmm. fifth largest bank in Denmark. Um, and we have done that for one year, but we didn't manage to close the next bank and the next bank. So it was like, it worked for one bank, but we couldn't scale it. We couldn't like get five banks on it. Um, so it was a tough decision because it partly worked, mm -hmm. but not good enough. So we had to like cut all of that, take that big decision and then just try to go B2C without knowing if there was a willingness to pay or anything. Right. Um, so, so saying no thanks to the only revenue we had and then it's going <laughs> from scratch again. I would say that was the toughest decision, but, uh, but it also, I would say that that was actually what I'm mo most proud of that I actually did it because it was a tough one. Yeah, yeah, and the, the courage you must have taken to actually take that, that leap. Yeah. Wow, okay, so, we, when we talk to entrepreneurs, we often hear that their entrepreneurial journey is basically just a, a sequence of failures and just failing and getting up and failing and getting up. And it's basically all the learnings that they accumulate through all the failures. Mm. So in, in your experience, what have, what have been some of the most uh, important learnings and the lessons that you've taken from, from your journey? Um, I, I think one of the most important is to uh, get the contracts right. Uh, with like when it comes to um, to the shareholders agreement when you start out from scratch make sure you have a good one and don't don't make a one pager and I mean that's a I could use 30 minutes on talking about a stupid thing we did in the beginning just let it let's keep it simple let's just make a one pager and that's not a good idea <laughs> so uh, do it right with the contracts especially as a fintech because it is just a legal um, world that like do it right, um, but also when it comes to partnerships, make sure that you don't um, like 
uh, get uh, stuck in a, an agreement for five years. I have tried some partnerships where they just said like, you can uh, uh, exit this uh, uh, agreement, but then it takes three, four, five years to get out of it. And that's not what you want as a fintech. Mm. You, you will need to be like, for example, my money, we've, we've, we found it in the end of uh, 15. And uh, we have had, now this is the third partner setup that we had. So it's been really important for us like um, to, to be able to close down a partnership and start a new one without mm. being stuck there. Right. All right, and, and just, a, just a moment ago, you, you talked about persistency being one of the most critical skills. Um, so the question I have for you is, can anyone be an entrepreneur? Even if they're not naturally persistent, could, could people learn to be persistent? Or what's your take on that? I think you need some kind of um, match between your personality and, and the entrepreneurial world. Uh, so that you will like it because it doesn't make sense to force yourself to being an entrepreneur if if it doesn't feel good then you'll just be stressed all the time and maybe even like yeah go go down with stress or like anxiety and and so i think it's you need to be some kind of like you need to like that part of it like it's adrenaline kick it's like You'll some someday there'll come a huge challenge in on your table, and then you are the only one who needs to fix it, uh, and and make sure you find the right or make sure you find the right person to fix it. But but um, but you need to be able to like that responsibility and the competitiveness and the challenges and the learning curve and like that's really um, that's I think that's that's important uh, so you don't force it down on yourself that you need to be what you see in the media for example if you if you don't are that kind of person okay so let's say that someone who's who's idealized the whole idea of being an entrepreneur that's just about to start their career comes to you and says would you recommend that I become an entrepreneur what what would you tell them I actually always recommend them what, that they should go for it uh, because if they I would also already say that reaching out to people and being like out there and, and getting feedback on your idea that's a good sign already mm. because then you're out there and you dare to tell about your story and what you want um, but uh, but I also I'm also really honest like uh, how is it to start an app and then I was like I've also recommended some to just say just get started with a website because <laughs> I mean starting with an app that's just way more complicated so get started with a website really simple try it out and then spend the money on building an app for example so trying to to get started simple um, but um, but but it's more when they come to me I always encourage them especially if they're women right <laughs> so yeah okay and then so so what what advice would you give to starting fintech founders uh, about the, the journey that they have ahead I would say be persistent um, again because uh, uh, I, there was a, an, an entrepreneur who once said to me like it, it takes nine years to create an overnight success and that's just that's just a real fact uh, and and if you see um, like in the media it's always like um, and then we got to this valuation at like at so long time and like trying to shorten it down and I, I perfectly get that. Uh, because you want to show that you can uh, prove traction in a really short period of time. But it also shows a signal to 
uh, entrepreneurs that, okay, I need to succeed within the next three years, otherwise I can just throw everything in the trash. And I've seen, especially in fintech, it takes a lot of time in fintech to build a company because you cannot just build a bank like this and you there's some like managing real money and dealing with real money that just requires more than just being a software company. Um, so, so in that case, it is a bit different. So, uh, so be patient, but but also like go fast and and all of that. But but also um, don't be afraid if you didn't succeed the first three years. Um, just the other day, I also saw a post from one who had um, I, I won't mention any names, but but just a really cool case where. He has been trying for more than four years to get a partnership um, with a bank and they've just turned him down, like said no, no, no. And then uh, recently, I think it was one year ago, he uh, got a license and now he's ready to uh, to give the product that he's been working for uh, to, to those uh, customers that he want to give it to. And now it's just going crazy. Like So there's just something about like you need the right partner and it takes a while, mm -hmm. it can take a while, and then when you hit it, you uh, you can hit it really, uh, really great. So uh, so just keep going, but uh, but fintech is a, a more demanding space. Right, and just the last question. Uh, let's go back to talking about my money. Mm -hmm. What what can we expect to see from my money in the next two to three years? Yeah, we uh, we right now we are focusing on uh, everything else than Denmark, which is a huge thing for us. Like that's a huge change for us. So uh, uh, we are looking at expanding to Germany first of all, with the financial product, with the card, everything being uh, halfway uh, uh, approved for that. So that's going to be really really exciting. And um, and then two or three months is that we will have an app that can stand alone and be global um, and until now we have only focused on Denmark mm -hmm. and we have even set on the on the website even if we translate it to, to English we said like Denmark's biggest allowance app and, and I realized that we need to think outside of Denmark uh, for mm -hmm. sure so we have learned a lot in the Danish market um, but uh, it's small and it's really high competitiveness in, in our space um, so uh, yeah, soon we'll be ready with a global app which can stand alone and then uh, going in with a, a Visa card uh, in uh, Germany. Well, that's really exciting news and we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for my money here mm -hmm. at Nordic Meeting Magazine. So Luisa, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing with us yeah, your, your insights and, and your experience. It's been really nice meeting you and talking to you. Thank you for inviting me.